everybody, it's Ruby. <laughs> I hope you are all doing wonderfully. I have been busy at work building and switching and um, finding bugs and all kinds of things. So what's happening in my world? Well, you all know I got kicked off of MailChimp, and if you didn't, well, yes, I did. <laughs> it wasn't like I was sending out emails with explicit material right there in the email, but I was definitely sending out emails with links to explicit material there in the email. So apparently MailChimp kind of freaked out about that, and I was using their free platform, so oh well. However, I have found a new platform, and that is the email that you patrons are getting with this podcast. This is the first one I'm sending out. So I'm still learning all the bells and whistles and figuring out how to make it look pretty and stuff like that. But as a celebration, because this new mail platform specifically works with adult material. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> so to celebrate that, Instead of the usual five or six links of the explicit material, this time you got, I think there's 12 in there. So I do hope you enjoy them. And yes, we're going to call this mailing platform home from now on. And I am in the midst of actually getting all set up on an all-inclusive platform where there will be watchable videos and things. I've been wanting this for a long time and Podia, I think that's the way you pronounce it, P-O-D-I-A. They said, as long as it's educational, we're good to go. So that is the direction I'm heading. Happy to be doing that and happy to be sitting down and recording once again. So today I want to talk about aftercare. So this is a subject that's come up more recently. So I guess if you've been a listener or a reader for a really long time, you may have seen references of it. But if you've already taken my webinars, this is not something I started including until eh, I'm thinking about four months ago is my best guesstimate on how long that's been. So aftercare is a word that is pretty well known in the BDSM community because we do all kinds of things to each other. Tops do things to bottoms. A whole variety of things and you can probably see those in porn videos but the point being it kind of puts them into a different space that can often be called subspace but it puts them through some changes and so the basic idea here is that the top is now responsible for making sure that that bottom is okay in whatever that looks like and that's all negotiated beforehand with BDSM uh, scenes or play partners right so often that can look like wrapping somebody up in a blanket and cuddling with them for a while, but sometimes it can look like just sitting next to them and giving them a glass of water and a piece of chocolate. There's so many different ways that people like or prefer to get aftercare after they have been through something really intense and um, I don't even know what word to put at the end of that sentence. So that's kind of like how we look at it in the BDSM world. That applies to pegging too. Why? Because sometimes receivers who have never had anal penetration before are really unprepared for the intensity of it. In my world, I really don't think that you can get 
pleasurably anally penetrated without vulnerability and vulnerability and i'm going to slip into total stereotypes and generalizations here vulnerability is not something that most men are encouraged to feel to experience and certainly not to portray often it is conflated with weakness which is completely erroneous and this goes back to stuff in the beginning webinar but basically if you look at vulnerability, the word of it, like in a military context, yeah, military vulnerability is absolutely a weakness, but it's totally different in personal relationships. In that context, vulnerability is like a risk of emotional exposure. It's about allowing yourself to feel your feelings and allowing yourself to be completely open and honest with another person. So think about what I just said. That really takes a lot of courage, which is really the opposite of weakness. So first I want to emphasize that. But the point being here with the man box and some of the stuff I've talked about in previous podcasts, and I'll put a link for those of you who are brand new to this podcast, what I mean by the man box. That was a term coined by Tony Porter in a TED Talk, and basically it describes the characteristics expected of men to be thought of as masculine and also forbidden to have men portray if they want to be considered manly men and masculine. So in our world, uh, in the pegging world, we get affected most by the forbidden ones because way, way, way too many people consider penetration, anal male penetration to be gay and feminine, right? And inherent in this belief is that uh, gay men and women are somehow less than the manly man, which is pretty fucked up and sort of is in the base of all toxic masculinity type of crap. But getting back to the aftercare, because this has been reinforced so much with so many men, that anal penetration is something that often is very scary for them to even contemplate because those forces of society judging and the man box and all that can be very, very powerful. So when you actually do it, that experience of vulnerability can be really intense. And one of the things I teach about in my beginner's class is the emotional response. And I've talked about this before on other podcasts. So there can be an emotional reaction, meaning like a welling up of tears, that kind of emotional reaction. When vagina owners have internal stimulation done, that can happen sometimes. Well, it can also happen when prostate owners have their prostate stimulated. Doesn't happen all the time. My best guesstimate is maybe around 30% of the time. But whether or not this emotional reaction happens, and I teach all about that in my beginning webinar, and if you don't know about it, please do take the webinar because it's really, really important for both givers and receivers to understand that this possibility is there, even if it never happens. I have gotten a couple of heartbreaking emails from listeners who said that they tried pegging with a partner and they were one of these receivers that uh, the very first time they ever did it, they were in tears afterwards and their partner just said, hey, I'm never doing that again, man. You cried afterwards. No freaking way. I'm not doing that because it kind of freaked them out, which is why I teach that in my beginning webinar because I want everybody to know that and be prepared. I want the receivers to know they're not broken and this happens sometimes. I want the givers to know that this is a possibility and also teach them how to handle it well. So back to aftercare, whether or not there is a big welling up of emotion and you have that happened, it still can be pretty intense when you receive anal penetration 
and it can put you through some changes to the point where you need aftercare. So again, generalizations, men are not typically encouraged to or expected to or even looked well upon if they ask for, I need to be held, I need you to cuddle me which is very sad because we all need touch, we all need cuddling, and it's all okay. And it is absolutely no comment on or what's the word I want here? It has no reflection on how masculine of a man you are. And, you know, I don't even, I don't want to digress here, but I have to say it really depends on your definition of masculinity. It really does. And that's a very interesting subject that probably many people have done lots of podcasts on. But if aftercare is needed, how wonderful would it be if you as the giver just offered before your receiver even had to ask, you know, do you want me to hold you for a little bit? Do you want to cuddle for a little bit? Whatever works. So I want to emphasize here that Aftercare can look a bunch of different ways. Let me just give you some examples off the top of my head. And what this reminds me of is uh, I did some pickup play with a guy in a dungeon. I strung him up on a a St. Andrew's cross and beat him for a while, all consensual, all that. And so it had gotten to the aftercare part. We were done, right? And I said, do you want to go cuddle? He said, sure. So we went over to these couches and he sat down and did the dude thing. You know, he put his arm out so that I could cuddle up to him. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I I sat down and put my arm out so that he could put his head on my chest. Something as simple as that. I remember hearing from a male friend of mine that very few men are comfortable in that position where they're being held with their head against their partner's chest because it it is uh, considered to be sort of a submissive position. You know, you're so uh, reinforced all the time to be in control and be strong, and that's not really a strong feeling. But to continue... It can look like that, whether they're holding you or you're holding them. You can do spoons where you're all wrapped around them. Sometimes that can be more comfortable for them so they don't have to look at you. (laughs) Since sometimes this discomfort with all these new feelings of vulnerability and openness and everything make them sort of instinctively not want to, to show all that. So, so, um, what's the word here? When you're just so open and exposed, that is the word, in such an exposed way. So yeah, burrowing a head into a shoulder, closing the eyes, you know, doing spoons from behind. But please talk with your partner about this and tell them, you know, hey, I'm open to any kind of aftercare you want. And if it, what it really looks like to you is that I care enough about how you're feeling after all this to get up and go get you a cold beer and bring it back, and we just lay in bed and hold hands and talk, I can do that too. I guess the most important part about aftercare is feeling like the person is taking care of you, cares about you, and also accepts you exactly the way you are and has no judgments about anything that you may have done or said or expressed or appeared like in the sexy times that you just shared together, okay? So that complete acceptance, you know, of your partner is invaluable, invaluable, you know? Because the very first thing that the vast majority of men feel when they get this emotional welling up is I gotta gotta press it down, gotta tamp it down, can't let it out, people are gonna judge me, people are gonna make fun of me. 
And if you are, stepping right into the uh, gender binaries here, if you are a woman who judges men who cry, sit down and have a long, long think about that because that means in my world, I'm just going to make some pronouncements and just throw it out there. To me, that means that you are entrenched in rigid gender stereotypes to your partners and your detriment. That's what I believe. Please allow people to be full human beings. Please allow them to express the full range of emotions. How else do you ever expect men to step up to the plate and be considerate and understand emotions and start doing their own emotional labor if not to accept that in them? That's one of the hardest parts. Uh, Brene Brown spoke to that quite eloquently in one of her speeches, and she uh, it was uh, she talked about how she had a guy waiting in a line to come and sign her book, and he got up there and he said, "Do you ever write about about men?" And uh, she said, "No." And he said, "Well, how convenient <laughs> because you know vulnerability in men. My my daughter and my wife." would rather see me come in on the shining white horse than ever show an expression of tears or weakness. And that's so sad, and that happens a lot in society. And I might not be quoting that exactly right, but you get the point. So aftercare can indeed look like lots of different things. If you are able to communicate with your partner about this and tell them, look, I want you to sort of have the finish or the ending, the conclusion of this wonderful sexy time pegging experience that we have to be equally as satisfying as the act itself. So if there's anything you need, whether it's cuddling or I rub your back or I hold you or I get you a beer or we just lay there together silent, anything at all, let me know because I am so there for you. I'll do it. Absolutely. And mean that when you say it. Totally mean that when you say it. And if they just need to be held and have a good cry, be there for them. Hold those emotions. Don't freak out. Don't make it all about you. Okay, so enough of the lecturing. But I did want to just throw up a bunch of different possibilities of what aftercare can look like. Not just the sort of, yeah, sometimes you need to do aftercare. But it can look like a bunch of different things. So talk with your partner about it. So now what I want to do is I want to read you a back and forth conversation that I had with this receiver who gave me full permission to read this because he said, if other people can learn from it, then I'm all on board with you sharing this on your podcast. So let me read this conversation I had with this lovely receiver. And thank you, sir, for allowing me to allow other people to hear about your journey. I was listening to your podcast 270 and saw the reference to 250. And for those of you listening, 250 is the one that I talked all about um, masculinity, Movember, the man box, all of that stuff. There's a zillion links about uh, that whole subject, if you will. Okay, so moving on saw the reference to 250. I don't even know if this is a pegging question per se. I wanted to bring up pegging with the wife. I know she will listen to me, but I'm scared to start. So I wanted to make sure that it would be something I would enjoy. She was gone for the week, and I bought a small prostate stimulator. First of all, 
being lubricated was quite an eye-opener. Without anything in, just getting clean and ready. I felt so open. I probably should have stopped, but I was turned on and tried using the toy. No pain reached an amazing orgasm. But, and the but is in all in capitals, the fall emotionally, holy foxtrot, I seized up. I had to practice box breathing just to get a hold on myself. I fell apart completely, just totally lost my shit. I've been in a number of horrible situations. I've watched friends die. I've endured physical pain that was debilitating, but this was different. It was like being attacked by my own body, and it is still lingering with me. Now, I'm a red-blooded male, so I know how to deal with these sorts of things. Bourbon. But my old friend isn't helping like he normally would. I feel for the first time in a very long time that I am somewhere mentally that I can't find a way out of. Threw away the toy. Wife is coming home in 10 days, and I'm in some sort of free fall. Now, I don't expect you to have all the answers, but like the gentleman said on your last podcast, you see things from a kind and open point of view. That's why I listen while you encourage people, but condemn negative ideas. Where I need help is where do I find a resource to center myself? I acknowledge that I live in a man box. Everyone around me is in the place. I don't see therapy as an option. Normally, I just break problems down and attack them. Someone is hurt, practice what you know to help them. You are unsuccessful, they die. You've done all you can, move on to the next person. Maybe that person needs encouragement or help. You do what you can and continue. I don't know how to do that to myself. I hope you can see where I am and point to the simple solution I'm sure I'm missing. But if not, thanks for the podcast. I too am a vaccinated fanboy. Here's my response. I am not a therapist. Typically, I do not have the time to give really involved answers to questions like this unless I read them on my podcast, always with complete anonymity. So I'm asking for permission to include this on my podcast, mainly because then my answer isn't helping just you, but perhaps many other listeners who have found themselves in a similar situation. Also, they may have follow-up advice to offer you in addition to mine. It is somewhat common for men to have an emotional response to prostate stimulation, about 20 to 30% of the time or so. No one knows why, but I have my theory. The man box requires that you suppress all expressions of vulnerability, incorrectly conflating it with weakness. So let's look at the word vulnerability. A military definition of vulnerability absolutely implies weakness, but it is quite different in human relations. In human relations, vulnerability is uncertainty, risk of emotional exposure. It's about allowing yourself to feel your emotions, being open and honest with another person. It's about letting down all those walls you walk around with every day, allowing yourself to express your emotions and truly being who you are. No matter whether you are joyful or in tears, it's about being authentic. That takes so much courage. Now let's narrow the lens a bit and take a look at your situation. All the words you used to talk about your emotions tell me that you are very uncomfortable having them and label them as negative. Lost my shit, attacked by my own body, fell apart. These are common societal expressions for having tears, as society typically labels any expression of grief or tears as negative. I completely disagree. 
I believe tears are lubrication for the soul and need letting out and expressing on a regular basis. There are real reasons why men don't live as long as women and have a much higher suicide rate. I believe the forbidding of expression of the full range of emotions plays a large part. There are organizations who address this issue, and you will find many resources and the links for podcast number 250, which you mentioned in your message. So my question would be, what would happen if you just let those tears flow? What would happen if you cried until you couldn't cry anymore with all the snotty, wailing messiness it can involve? Personally, I do this when no one is home, so I can actually allow my voice to come out. That helps with the actual physical pain that comes from holding it all in. So with the house to yourself, maybe this is a perfect time for you to let it all out. Do you have the courage required to open the floodgates? Because though it might feel uncomfortable, like you will never stop crying, I strongly suspect it will eventually bring an ease you have never felt before. Having all those walls up all the time must be exhausting. Conversely, what harm can come from letting it all out? A headache, swollen face, and stuffy nose from my experience. Small risks. Severe trauma issues warrant opening that box with the supervision of a therapist, but otherwise, you're probably good. Again, I am not a therapist. You say therapy isn't an option. I encourage you to reconsider. There are online therapists who do virtual sessions so you never have to leave the privacy of your own home. Here's one that I trust implicitly. And I gave him the link to drtommurray.com. I think the emotions happen sometimes because of the absolute relief of allowing all those walls down that happens upon anal penetration can bring with it a profound grief that this part of you has been denied expression for so long. That's the advice from Ruby, junior non-psychologist. Here is his response. Thank you, thank you. I listened to 250 because it was in your show notes. It is more that I don't know where to start. It's like a puzzle I don't understand. And I did cry. I cried a lot after I used the toy. But a feeling of anxiety, fear, vulnerability remains. And I don't know how to get rid of that. I believe you said... Men aren't trained to deal with emotional things. And you brought up veterans leaving the service are not trained to deal with the change from being in a foreign environment to coming home. I'm not stating that I'm a veteran. So I am looking to fix that part of myself. But as I said, it's more than just recognizing you have a problem. I've always known that I detach emotionally to deal with things. It's finding a way to put things together when you've never tried. My response to him, the puzzle is difficult if you don't know where all the pieces are and never knew they were missing to begin with. Getting together with other men who are on this journey can be so helpful. You will find some of those groups in the links. Hang in there. Great job on the crying. Seriously, I know it's not easy. And here's his response. To summarize, I bought a small prostate stimulator, I used it, and although I was nervous, my orgasm was amazing. But immediately after a climax, a tremendous emotional fall 
terror, shame, vulnerability, and self-doubt, physical issues, breathing and weakness, day-after issues, shaking and lingering emotional stress, lessened but still affecting current thoughts, and a possible delay in reaction, conversely, paranoid and jumpy. So, wow, this is kind of where we left it. He did respond one more time, which was very sweet. He gave me permission to use this on the podcast and also said, A message for you, my dear. I hope that joy, love, and kindness and security fill your life for all the kindness, encouragement, and love you provide. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, that's a lot to take in, right? That is an absolutely a lot to take in. But I think that it is one of those deeper dives into the territory and the subjects and the stuff that comes up that surrounds pegging that really deserves to be talked about. And here's one of the things it reminds me of. It reminds me of a man I used to see who loved wearing panties. He could not have been a more masculine person. He was a first responder, he is in the military, and loved wearing panties. So I'll never forget the day that he actually found a situation where he could wear those panties all day long. And that was really, really unusual for him. And he was in heaven with that lovely silkiness next to all of his dangly bits in his ass and oh my god because this is something he loved and craved felt so much shame about until I encouraged him and said panties are freaking awesome wear them if you want to it's amazing right when he took those panties off he had a little bit of an an emotional freak out we were texting and he said I don't know what's going on right now but I'm freaking out and I talked him through it and basically said, okay, you've kind of opened the box here to your emotions and it might feel weird. It might feel bad, but it's really, really a good thing. He also, like the letter writer, was used to detaching from his emotions. And so in that moment, so connected with the grief of having to then take those panties off and put them away and hide them and go back to hiding them because he was not in his life in a situation where he could do this openly and honestly. So it was really intense. So this is what it reminds me of is that the opening and then a little bit of the freak out. And I'm not a psychologist. I've said that so many times. So I don't really know the words to talk about in terms of if they have special words about what happens there. You are kind of opening up the box. And it is important to realize that if you have had stuff happening in your life, traumas, any kind of abuse, stuff like that, it is always better to open that box under the supervision of a therapist because it helps you stay grounded. They know more. They know how to handle situations more. They know how to handle it when you disassociate. They know how to handle it when you freak out. They can be your resource and your foundation to guide you through that in those moments that this letter writer describes so vividly that were so upsetting for him. So although, yeah, you, sir, who wrote the letter, say that the that uh, uh, therapy is not an option, I really encourage you to reconsider that. I encourage you because it sounds like having a guide through this would be very, very helpful for you. 
what I'm hearing loud and clear is how unmoored you feel, how untethered you feel from everything you're used to, having the answers, knowing how to attack a problem. Emotions aren't like that. And we train men to be so distanced and disassociated from emotions so much of the time that this is one of the things that can happen when you finally open up the box and go, hey, I'm really allowing myself to feel deeply vulnerable, open, amazing. Yeah, but you described that so vividly that I really did want to share it on my podcast. And I can't thank you enough for allowing me to do that. This is very good information for people to hear. And actually, one of the things I'm going to do is label this podcast as the aftercare podcast, because that is one of the things when you are actually doing pegging, which I understand you were just exploring receptive anal stimulation, because it's, you know, the pegging is something in the future you're thinking about. But it is important for people who move on to pegging to understand that this emotional aspect can play a part. And even if it isn't as dramatic and as intense and all-encompassing as you describe, it still is something to realize that it can be a part of it. And, you know, that's where the aftercare comes in. The understanding that it can have put your receiver through some changes. And if you're the receiver, to know that this is okay, it may feel very, very uncomfortable and and unfamiliar because you don't usually allow yourself to open like that and be really vulnerable and have all that risk and uncertainty. So it can be like, it can freak you out. It absolutely can freak you out. I don't often get letters like this, but when I do, they really strike me. And also they make me a little sad because of the whole suppressing of emotional expression and inherent in that is a lack of ability to be familiar with your emotions and understand them and allow them a comfortable place in your life. I mean, I can't imagine, as a woman, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it must be to just automatically stuff things and label them as negative, as opposed to being a woman, having the total luxury of expressing these emotions all the time. In fact, there's two more things I want to share about this, and then I'm just going to throw this podcast up for y'all. One is a, a joke that I heard, and I think I may have told this on the podcast before. So those of you who have waded through all 279 of these may recognize this. It was a comedian who basically said, you know, women are always, and it was a male comedian, women are always talking about how we need to, we men need to get in touch with our emotions, you know? And it's, it's kind of like, I don't really understand where they're coming from, because you women seem to be walking around with a whole bag of words that you just reach right in there and grab it out, and you're able to say how you feel about things. And that's not the way that men work. First of all, we have to recognize that it's an emotion. Then we have to get on our donkey and we have to go all the way up to the top of the mountain and all the way back down the other side and find it. (laughs) And then we take it with us and we have to make the long trek back up the mountain and back down the other side. And during that journey, we have to figure out what the hell it is. And he told it better, I'm sure. However, the point is, is the the lack of familiarity with emotions. It's like 
by forbidding men to be emotional creatures. And I know I'm making lots of generalizations and I'm going to get some people going, oh, come on here. But to continue to the thought, by forbidding men to be more emotionally expressive and comfortable with their emotions, we've relegated them to when they do open that box, it's like they're toddlers and they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Oh, you can hear the frustration in my voice. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about is that expression that I used earlier, that tears are lubrication for your soul. I need to tell you where that came from. I had a friend who I used to exchange massage with because I've done massage 30 years and counting. I'm finally phasing out of it. Finally, my hands are wearing out. And we used to trade. And this man, I don't think I've ever met a bigger man. He was enormous and he looked like this this amazingly big wild Viking. He had red hair, long beard, long hair. In fact, he starred in a couple of commercials. I don't know about starred in, but he was in a couple of like commercials that had Vikings in a boat and stuff like that. Big, big man. So we were talking about men going to therapy, right? And he said, well, here's, here's how it worked between my wife and I. At one point in time before we were married, I proposed to her and she said, okay, if you want to marry me, you need to deal with your anger issues. You need to take care of that. So what he did was he joined a men's group. Now this is California and up in this valley where I live, things are pretty woo-woo. <laughs> they are very, very into the um, different kinds of psychological things and um, different kinds of healing, I think is a better way to put it. So yeah, there were men's groups. So he joined a men's group. And he talked about how he learned how to listen because they used a talking stick and he learned how to really listen, not to plan what you're going to say while the other person is still talking. He learned how to listen and really take it in. And he learned how to open up and share what he was feeling. So one of the things he told me he discovered is he said, really, the outward appearances of everyone don't really figure into this. They, they're not really a factor. Deep down, no matter whether you look like a big, strong guy like me or any other appearance, deep down, all of us just really want to be loved for exactly who we are. And another thing I learned, he told me, in the men's group was that tears are lubrication for my soul. And when he was sitting there and talking with me about this, he teared up when he told me about it. And I just thought that was one of the most beautiful things, beautiful descriptions of an exploration of how he found a way to go inside himself and heal himself. And there was that support and foundational um, assistance by being with a group of men who were all struggling with similar types of things. That's one of the values in uh, having groups that uh, put like like people together. I know sometimes it's difficult because divisiveness cannot be good. But for example, one of the things I found out with my Discord channel for givers only is that it just opens things up to uh, different types of conversation because on a certain level, everybody in that group kind of knows where you're coming from more so than if you let everybody join. So... 
I was, I don't know, I just wanted to tell that story because I miss him. He has since passed away. And there was so much wisdom there. They did get married and they were quite happy together for a long, long time. Okay, so this podcast is off and away, you guys, and I will try and post another one as soon as possible. I hope you all like the new mailing format, all of you um, patrons. And I am reducing my webinar uh, frequency to about six every month, two of each. And then I'm going to start working hard on getting those webinars recorded and put up on my new all-inclusive platform. So yes, big changes are afoot. (laughs) Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for sending me messages saying, hey, I really miss your podcast. Because as I've said before, that, that lights the fire under me and gets me going a little bit sooner. And I know you've been all quite patient. So have a lovely day, afternoon, morning, whatever it is, wherever you are in the world when you listen to this. Have a nice mowing the lawn entertainment. Or <laughs> or as one person said to me some time ago, doing all the manly man things in like a construction type of job while listening to me talk about guys getting fucked in the ass. Yes, I love the juxtaposition of that. I totally do. Take care, everybody. Until next time, remember... Happy pegging and no shame.